0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here. Welcome to you all out there. On this weekend, we celebrate the life and ministry of Dr. Martin Luther King. And we remember that this fight that he began, that was began before him, that he joined in on, is still still going, which kind of blows my mind in some ways, that in the year 2020, when we can send things into the depths of space when we can send probes when we know the some of the deepest secrets of the knowledge of the universe that still yet we don't value each other as we should that still yet we marginalize some people still yet we are racist still yet we discriminate still yet we push down still yet we oppress still yet we don't include still yet in this Year of 2021, we're still in this space. Like, come on, humanity, get it together. Let's just embrace and accept and empower each other for equality and wholeness and grace. No matter what, if you're a human, that's it. That's all. Empower each other, embrace each other, include each other. The church should have always been on the front lines of this, but unfortunately. We've been on the front lines of hatred and division, and we, our theology has empowered hurt and pain. We have much to repent for, not only repent for, but change, change, and do things differently, and say things differently, and lead differently, and that, I think, is where we're at. The church needs to do those things, and I hope that I hope that we're doing that. I hope that we are part of bringing that about God's kingdom, God's world, instead of bringing about something opposite. So on this weekend, we remember that. We celebrate that. We remember that this fight for many people is still continuing, is still ongoing. That many people, based on the color of their skin, based on their economic status, based on their ethnicity, based on their sexual orientation, do not have the same rights and access as those who are different, like what? Come on, this should be different. We should be standing up for that boldly, as Dr. King did so long ago. Well, last week it was brought to my attention that my sermon was 40 minutes long, and I deeply apologize for that. It seems like um, this pandemic is bringing out the, um, the windedness of me. I just get so excited. I guess I don't talk to people much in the week, and this it's my time to talk to you, so I just let it all out. Here it goes. Blah! Forty minutes of interesting things. At least I think they're interesting. They're exciting to me, right? Um, I don't know how y'all feel about it, but they're really exciting to me. I kind of feel like um, I get to talk about the things that I love uh, on Sundays. So I'll try to I'll try to keep it down today um, under the forty minute mark because I know that's uh, that's that's hard for us all. But good job, good job sitting through it and nobody walking out last week. I was, I was like, wow, yeah ride out and just walk out, but I know you love me, so thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I was watching, um, speaking of being excited about things, I was watching this TV show, a science show, and um, had Neil, Neil Tyson DeGrasse on, I think his name, y'all know him, the physicist. He's, he's like one of the main physicists is always on TV, and um, he's fantastic, and they were talking about this, this show, um, science, of course, and they were talking about light protons and I found this completely fascinating and interesting. That they've um, done experiments on light photons, which are like the smallest levels of light, particles, atoms. Um, And basically, when they do experiments on the quantum level, in quantum physics, of light photons, when they do an experiment without watching it, the light photons will do one thing. They will go in one direction. But when they do an experiment and someone is observing that experiment, the photons will act in a different way. This is wild to me. That, that the photons in an experiment act differently, solely based on the reality. Is someone watching or is someone not watching? And they've done a bunch of experiments. like They've done all sorts of things. And and as he said in this show, nobody can understand this. Nobody, no scientist understands why this is the case, that light photons will act differently solely based if they're being watched or not. Like how do they even know that, that they're being watched? What is going on? There's so much when we get down to the quantum level of physics that we don't understand, that scientists don't understand about the universe. Things don't, uh, the rules aren't the same always on the quantum level. And, and like, why is this happening? We don't know all the answers. I, I, as I watched that this week, and I was like, man, that's, what if for a scientist to come out and say, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, who knows everything about the universe, apparently, is, and he's like, we don't know this. That's fascinating to me. Like, I I think the church should be more open to itself to say, you know what? We don't have the answer here. But somehow we believe that we have the answers and we are correct about everything when it comes to God, like, right? Like we got God figured out completely. God, we know you back and forth. We know you like the back of our hand. We know God, right? But like, let's step back from that for a moment. And like, how is that even possible? That we could know God like that. God is completely unfathomable, unknowable in fullness. We only know like this little itsy-bitsy tiny piece of what God is. And there's so much more. But yet we come and we're like, well, we got all the answers. We got it all figured out. That's why so often, I mean, I was like that too, right? I was like that in my early life. And like, at this point, I'm understanding, like, I don't, I don't know nothing what do I know? So the only thing I feel comfortable in proclaiming is love. Like, that's it. That's what I know. I know we, God is love, and we are called to love one another. And so let's understand that and live into that and let everything else fall into place as it is. So today, I, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contradict some things that probably you've heard before, but like, what's new, right? I do this all the time. And like, like as with everything... Take it or leave it, right? As with everything, you don't have to agree with me on everything. This is not a dictatorship, okay? Like, I'm just a dude who is trying to understand God and communicating that and hopefully helping sometimes, but I realize I don't always help. So, like, sometimes you just walk away and be like, you know what, I usually agree with Jason, but today, like, I, <laughs> not today, he was... I don't know what medications he's on, but, like, it's affecting him. But, so, like, okay, fine, that's okay. You can go to church with some b- b- pastor you don't always agree with on everything, right? Cool, we're adults, right? You don't agree with your spouse on everything. That's fine. It's fine, okay? Like, cool. So, here it is. That's my disclaimer for today. And today we're going to be talking about call, like like God's call to us In the world, and what is God calling us to? It's it's a great kind of reframing of where we are in the year, right? We're in January. We're we've almost survived a year of pandemic, and who knows when it's going to end or not, or whatever life is going to be in 2021. But we still, right, have a calling to God. We still are in this life of following Jesus and asking Jesus, "What do you want of our life?" And so today, we're going to talk. About that call, we find ourselves in Mark. We're going to journey through Mark a little bit, and Mark is a Mark is a dangerous book, y'all. Um, it is. It is. Is dangerous so it pushes us it pulls us if for me when i read mark i feel like you know when you go to like a myrtle beach or whatever and you see the saltwater taffy being made and they're pulling it and stretching it with those machines i read mark and i feel like some saltwater taffy in that in that in the window and like oh this doesn't feel good oh gosh i didn't i have forgot about that oh man and so here we are you ready? That sounds great, doesn't it? How encouraging is that? You know, you can trust me. Always encouraging. I'm uplifting. You just like Caleb right here. Just speaking to you. Positive and encouraging. After John was put into prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, to believe the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When they had gone a little further, he saw the son, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat which was hired men and followed him, with the hired men and followed him. Then they went out to Capernaum and the Sabbath came. Jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of God for us and all the people of God. So here we come in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, at the beginning of our year, 2021. We're trying to make sense of what we're going to do in this world. We've just come out of one of the most difficult political seasons of our of, 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 like most of our lives or some of our lives, we come out of a pandemic that has wrecked our society and in a variety of ways. We come out of worrying about the economy, worrying about our children, worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying. And now we're faced with a new year, a new space before us. How are we going to live in this place? How are we going to do life in twenty? 21 how are we going to do church in 2021 where we have completely fundamentally reoriented and had to rethink about how we do church at all we've cut off from the people that we love we've lost people that we love and here we are doing trying to do life and in this space in this moment Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, walks into our lives in whatever we are doing and is declaring to us and asking of us all as we are in the boats of our life doing the things that we routinely are trying to figure out and do and support ourselves. And in this space, Jesus looks upon us and says, Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, if you've been in a church for 10 minutes, you've understood like this is a big deal and you've heard this in a variety of ways, right? You've heard this story before. You've heard this story in Sunday school. Probably today they're talking about it back in the back of what does it mean to be a fisher of people. Now, for most of my life, I can't speak for your life, but most of my life, and it ranges from Sunday school to church on Sundays to even discussions on a higher level and Seminarian. Like, what does it mean? What does this mean to fish for people? Traditionally, historically, we have taken this to mean that Jesus is, is empowering and calling the disciples into a life of casting their nets upon the souls of humanity, right? The souls of other people that Jesus is now inviting the disciples into save the souls of lost humans, right? Like the primary, and so this does a few things. This understanding sets Jesus' just Jesus's ministry and mission as primarily saving souls for heaven. Saving souls for the afterlife. And so everything that Jesus does in his life from then on to the cross, even to the resurrection, has to fit into that sort of parameters that Jesus' actions are to save humanity from hell and empower them to live eternity in heaven, right? Like this is the fundamental teaching for most of us. For most of the church, for most of Western Christianity, this is the fundamental teaching. You're like, where is he going to go with this? Oh, my goodness. He said he was contradicting some things, and yep, I am. So here, basically, I don't think this is correct. I don't think this is the correct way to look at the ministry, at the work that Jesus is doing. And I don't believe this is the call that Jesus is asking of the disciples. This phrase, fishers of men, is not new in Scripture. It is a reference, and you find it several times in the Old Testament, that Jesus here, this this phrase, fishers of men, or fishing for men, shows up several times in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, in Amos. And in Jeremiah, this is in the context of of what it is saying. Now, Jeremiah here is prophesying this like day of disaster in chapter 16 in Jeremiah. Basically, what what Jeremiah is telling the people is you all are on the wrong path. You all are oppressing the poor. You are forgetting that God wants to empower the people on the margins. You are using God to benefit yourself for economic gain, to gain more power for yourselves. And this is the reason that judgment comes on Israel. Not because they had, like, forgotten God. No, they had remembered God. And they were using God to oppress a theology, to oppress and marginalize people of a different economic class. Some things change, some things don't change, right? We're still dealing with this today. And so, here, this prophecy is that Jeremiah gives to the people of saying, Y'all, you got to change, because if you don't change, your actions are going to lead you into disaster. And in this context, Jeremiah 16 16 says, Now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. Who? Catch them? Catch the people who are oppressing the others, oppressing society. You, in, what, in the context of Jeremiah, this is the rich religious leaders, the ones in power in society, the ones who make the rules, the ones who are manipulating the system in order to gain for themselves and push others down. And I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will go out and catch them. Now, now what what if instead of the call of Jesus to invite the disciples into a life of saving souls of humanity, what if Jesus is calling the disciples into a life of creating a new social order, a new way of doing life, where? This kingdom of God Because it started off a mark, right? Jesus began preaching the kingdom of God What is the kingdom of God? I don't believe the kingdom of God is about some some life after death The kingdom of God is about now It's about here It's about our place And our people And our neighbors And our children And our parents And our friends It's about right now What are we going to do with this message of God's justice? What are we going to do with this message of God's goodness? It's not just so we can get to heaven afterwards We seem so concerned with heaven that we have forgotten that we live right now right here right now like y'all heaven will take care of itself like right now there's people there are children who are starving right now and what what is the church how is the church engaging In these spaces I believe here in the call of the disciples Jesus is not calling the disciples into some life of casting out nets and saving souls of humans for an eternal afterlife I believe this is a ministry of justice and in some ways judgment and I don't mean judgment in the sort of like God's going to give you what you deserve but but judgment in the sense of making things right Setting things to the way that they were intended to be. Creating a new world. This, I believe, is what everything in the ministry of Jesus is talking about. We've got so consumed with seeing heaven into everything that we've forgotten. We can't even see sometimes the real life now here in this moment. Ministry that God is doing through the work of Jesus, here in this space, I believe Jesus is saying, come, follow me, y'all. Come, follow me. We together will create a new social order. This is, in, this is y'all, it's a revolution. It's in every sense a revolution. Now, this is, I believe the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, is in many ways a revolutionary moment. A revolutionary movement that we have been part of for 2,000 years. That the church has been part of. This call to say we are going to engage and spend our lives trying to create a different system than the one that we see in the world. Where we can oppress and marginalize each other. We're going to create a different system where love is our law. Where equality and freedom and justice and mercy and compassion are our guides. That is what we are going to undertake. And we have the power of God in us, empowering us to do that. The death of Jesus was a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. To say that evil no longer has to be in charge. No longer is Pharaoh the dominant force in the world, but Jesus is. Evil has been deposed. And now Jesus sits on the throne of the cosmos. So therefore, therefore, we can... Participate, and we can engage in this way. Now, if you ask me, and and people have asked me in our Open Table 101 classes, so what do you what do you do about hell, Jason? Like, honestly, I I don't believe that there's a hell in the way that we've understood it. Like, fine, you don't agree with me, fine, that's totally fine. Like, honestly, none of us know, but I don't think so. I I just don't see how a loving God would cast people down into uh, eternal punishment. Like, really? Like, really? Come on. This is the most ridiculous thing ever. Like, you have to understand, like, so much of the Bible is a poetry, apocalyptic in nature, which is a whole genre in the ancient world that we don't have anymore. And so things were allegories and metaphors about judgment and about what, what, like, it's it's all in this mixture. And so we've taken so many things literally that weren't meant to be taken literally. And we've taken things figuratively that were meant to be taken literally. And we've mixed it all up. And we've kind of created the system that fits us, right? That fits us and our needs and what we want in the world. Like heaven. Y'all like, well, then who gets to heaven, Jason? Like, I I don't know. God's going to take care of that. That's God's choice. That's God's That's God's decision. But, but to me, I I don't see a scenario where the loving God that we see in the work of Jesus is going to say, well, sorry, dude. Like you didn't believe in me while you were there. What? You never heard of me? Well, you know, you're crap out of luck then. No missionary ever reached you. Well, it's too bad. I'm sorry. Um, There you go. The door to the left. Enjoy the fall. Like, come on. Like, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's not what we really believe, is it? Deep inside. Like, I, and so like, if, if, this, if this thing, if this Jesus movement, if, if this God movement, if the church is not about just saving souls for heaven, then what is it about? I believe the whole life of Jesus and the gospel of Mark and the gospel of Luke and the gospel of John and the gospel of Matthew tell us that. That Jesus here is equipping, empowering, opening up the doors to a whole new way of doing life. And this life is called the kingdom of God. And we are participants in that kingdom. We We are ones who participate, empower it, and live out and invite others into this whole different social order. I believe Jesus is calling us, the disciples then, us now, into living into a new reality, a new way of doing things, a new social order. Not the order of the Constitution of the United States, cool, that's great, but we're not called to live into that order. We're not called to live into the Constitution of Finland or to Russia or to South Africa or to China. Like these are, these are the governments that we live in, cool, let's respect it, let's participate in it, let's, but let's remember what we're called into. Let's remember who is walking on the shores of our lives and saying, come, follow me. And we have this choice to answer, yes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to leave my stuff here. I'm going to leave. Jesus here is calling the disciples to leave business as usual. To leave the normal. And to enter in a new way of doing things. Where we sit around a table. Where we participate in deep friendships with one another where we make open our spaces and our lives. We hear the stories of those around us and we pour out our lives for the benefit of others, whether that is on an individual friend-to-friend basis, neighbor-to-neighbor basis, or if that needs to be in the political sphere where we fight and defend for the needs of the vulnerable, the marginalized, the pushed aside, whatever it is, Our job, I believe, and what Jesus is calling us into is a radical reorientation of our lives towards love. And that's going to have personal implications, and that's going to have political implications, and that's going to have society implications. And we, I believe, are the catalysts as followers of Jesus to help usher in and defend and fight for that kingdom that God desires in the world. We are asked to leave our business as usual. Our normal. And what is this going to look like? Well, the Gospel of Mark tells us everything else after that this is what it looks like. We're going to see those things. But here immediately as we read this story, immediately Jesus leaves with his disciples and what happens? The demons are cast out. The oppressive forces that have been oppressing people are cast out. Gone delivered in the name of Jesus. That is what this looks like. If you read the next scene, the, 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 the sick are healed. That's what happens right next after this story. So the oppressive forces that have been destroying people's lives are gone the 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 forces that have been been holding people into this space where they can't live into their fullness because they're sick or marginalized or don't have health care by the way jesus never said can i see your insurance card can i see your, can, do you can do you have proper identification here do you have insurance bro because no jesus is like yeah you're sick yes be healed Right? Maybe we should have that sort of health care. I wish we could, right? I wish we could just go around healing each other. But we can. We can, actually, right? Because we have amazing hospitals and amazing doctors, and we can do that. Just, we tell people, sorry, you don't have the right paperwork. Sorry. Anyway, that's a side note. Y'all know how I feel about that, right? What does this look like? The demons are healed. The demons, I mean, <laughs> the demons are healed. That's cool, too. Um, the demons are gone. The sick are healed. This is the beginning of what this new social order looks like, where anyone who is experiencing oppression or marginalization, where anyone who is not living into the fullness of their humanity is now healed, delivered, engaged, included, and embraced. That's what this kingdom looks like. And that, I believe, is what Jesus, the same call that was to the disciples so long ago is to us, Come, follow me, Jesus is saying. Come, follow me. What does this look like in our lives? What are we called to? How does this, how does this come out in the nuts and bolts? kind of? What, what comes out in the laundry here? I think four things that we're called to, right? By, by, by the way, lots of people ask me sometimes, you know, you're going through a difficulty in life, and people are like, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God's calling me to do. This is what I tell people. Especially when you're younger, and you, like I did this too, right? When I was like in my twenties, I was like agonizing over God. What do you want me to do? Just tell me what you want me to do, and I'll do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. Like, you know, at this point, I tell people this: just live your life. If God wants something that you for you to do that's specific, God will let you know, and you will know, and then you can make a choice of that, yes or no. But otherwise, live your life in the direction of love. Live your life in the direction of love, and that's living into what God wants you to do. So that's just a side note. Um, that's free. You won't charge you for that a little bit of counsel. What are we called to? Four points that I would say. Compassion. I think we're called into compassion. Compassionate perspective and actions to guide our daily lives with each other. I think we're called into this compassionate perspective and compassionate actions that guide our lives with each other as we interact with one another. Compassion is like this empathy, this feeling of someone else's pain. Like we are entering in, we hear, we see, and we are going to enter into your story. Where we love. And so like the principles of compassion I believe are love, and gratitude and empowerment and care for one another and embracing each other and including each other and defending each other and protecting each other and touching each other and and living in that space of each otherness where we understand that the message of of the liberating gospel is not about me, it's about we, right? It's about we. We're gonna see your pain. We, We see that and we want to join you in that that's compassion and i believe that should be the sort of perspective that we have on the world that should guide our decisions that should guide our interactions is this deep empathy for one another in life two i believe first is compassion and second is a commitment to building a beautiful world for others a beautiful social order where everyone has a place Everyone has a place. This commitment to building a beautiful world in the real world, like, right? Not just in our imagination, but in the real world. And I believe, what does this look like? Well, I believe it looks like justice, right, for people. Justice is us setting things to right, where where we live in this system where things are as they should be, justice. Where where the economics of our world are, are beneficial to everyone, Not just a few people, not just a few elite who had a good idea sometime, but but all of us. That there's economic opportunity and economic possibility for every single person. Where we live at peace with one another. The absence of war, both in the sense of military war, but also in the war of each otherness. Where we care about the environment. God's creation, because the care of the environment directly affects people's lives. As we're going to see, I'm so like, gosh, my children and my children's children. I just think, what kind of world are we leaving them? It's not our world. We're borrowing it from a future generation. And so we need to take care. In some ways, it's too late. But now how can we we do what we can now and focus on that? That that we create a beautiful educational system where every single person, regardless of economics or ethnicity, or culture, every single person has the equal opportunity to succeed and thrive through our educational system, through health care. What? This is the most fundamental thing about the about ourselves is our bodies. All of our bodies are breaking down. We're constantly always caring for all of our bodies. Believe that we should live in a world where we can get the care that we need, where every person can get the care that they need. You know, like we, we talk in this sense of, of like, if, it, if it's your child that's sick, what would you do? You, there, there is no amount of money in the world that would stop you from making sure that you could get the, ch- the care for your child, right? No amount in the world. But yet when it's somebody else's child, like, well, well we can't, oh, we can't afford that. You know, we can't afford that. That's too expensive for society. We can't do these things. We're all somebody's children, right? When we, all have, we all have children in the sense of whether they're really our biological or not. That we, we are around kids, and kids are our future, and we need to protect them. We need to defend them. We need to be committed to building a beautiful world for others, a beautiful social order. And third, to cultivating the spiritual and emotional depth and strength that enables us to do number one and number two, right? Like that takes a lot of strength. That takes a lot of emotional and spiritual depth and commitment to be able to engage in compassion and to build a beautiful world. We need to cultivate that within ourselves. That is our call. To, to study the ways of God, to listen to others, to interact and in fellowship with the community, to, to, to pray, to meditate, to reflect, to clear our minds and open our souls up to what God is doing around us, get counseling when we need it, come to worship to, to reset our lives and help us to remember what 's truly important to cultivating the spiritual and emotional depth and strength within us some would say these are spiritual disciplines and they are utmost important in our lives if we want to have the longevity and the strength to do this work of god's kingdom number four that we are committed to inviting others to join us in this way of life People sometimes why, well if you don't if you don't believe in hell, if you don't believe in in, in Jesus' mission to save souls, then then what is evangelism for you? Evangelism is exactly this that we are inviting people to live into an alternative reality. We are inviting people to join us as we are embarking upon bringing justice and hope and renewal to the world. Come, this is a better way to live. This is the best way to live as we pour ourselves out for the benefit of others, as we engage in building a beautiful society, as we engage in the work of justice for all people. Come, join us. This is what you're called to do. In this space, you will find your meaning and your purpose You will find life for yourself as you give it away. This is the irony of our souls, isn't it? That we only find life when we give it away. When we find peace, when we empower it for others. We only find hope when when we empower hope in someone's life. That is the way that it works. You reap what you sow. And so this life of giving your life away for the benefit of others, and you will understand and receive life. For yourself this is the invitation we are being invited into this kingdom of god life this i believe church is what jesus is walking into our lives in this space on january 17 2021 and saying to us come follow me come follow me and can to compassion love into a commitment to building a beautiful world, into cultivating the spiritual and emotional depth and strength, and to inviting everyone around you. Yes, we too are called to be fishers of people, to throw our nets out and say, come on in, y'all. God is liberating the world. God is bringing freedom and renewal and life to the world around you. Come into the way of love. Come into the way of inclusion. Come into the way of embrace. Come into the way of empowerment. Come into the way of equality. Come into the way of freedom. God has opened the door. Come in. Come in. But in order to do that, we're going to have to leave some things behind, won't we? We're gonna to have to leave our boats behind sometimes. Those things which are normal to us, that business as usual. Sometimes we find ourselves, we build our whole lives on the system of the world and we don't really want to leave it. We don't want to leave those things behind. But the call is you're gonna to have to leave some things. I don't believe we have to leave everything. I believe life is life and we can't leave everything, right? We're connected in so many ways. But we are being called to disentangle our lives from the oppressive forces of the world around us, to leave those things and to enter into a new way of doing the world, the way of Jesus, the way of love, the way of the kingdom of God. As we prepare our hearts for communion today, and maybe a sort of commitment As we come to this table and say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Let's prepare our hearts in prayer. Would you pray with me? Oh, great God of hope, Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you continually call us out from the depths of business as usual, out of our normal and into a radical reorientation of love love directed not at ourselves but for those around us those who are suffering from the heavy weight of oppression those that are suffering under the heavy weight of marginalization god we pray for freedom for the world we pray that your kingdom would come that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven we pray oh lord that you would use us and empower us to help bring about that world bring about that way of love In this space, Lord, we pray that you would call us the same as you called the disciples and you would say to us today, come, follow me. And that we may join your work to be fishers of men, to bring justice, to bring hope, to bring life, to not participate in the systems of evil, in the systems that are hurting others, but call them out and dedicate our lives to correcting them. God, call us out out from our boats, out from our nets, and into a life of following you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.